take our sin upon himself, that we might be found righteous before you. And that we might have access to that grace and that mercy. Lord, we thank you for the truth of that. It's with grateful hearts that we sing this truth, knowing that we have been saved, we've been set free, we've been given the greatest gift of all, which is salvation. That, Lord, we can each know through our relationship with Jesus the security of eternal hope, knowing that we will spend eternity with you in heaven. We thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can grab a seat. Awesome. Isn't it good to worship together? Just having a look out, I think a number of people might have missed daylight savings or they stayed up late and the whole clock going forward an hour has cost them. But hey, you're here. God bless you for coming this morning. Who stayed up late last night and watched the elections? TV? A number of you are interested. Well, it's been an interesting journey, hasn't it? We've just had our, our nation's elections. New Zealanders have now voted. Hopefully you exercised your right and you voted. And now we have two parties or a number of parties negotiating to lead our nation. It's interesting, interesting season that we're in. But regardless of the result, regardless of what happens in the coming weeks and the next few weeks, we now have a responsibility as followers of Jesus. See, we each have preferences, don't we, that we live with. Do you have a preference? Do you have preferences that you live with every day? We each have strong sense of ideals. I don't know if you do, but I do. A strong sense of what ideals I would like to see happen, what I would like to see happen even in the next few weeks. And here's the reality. We live in a world that unfortunately follows its own desires. People have been led astray by deception and personal desires. We see that going right back to the fall, don't we, with Adam and Eve. Well, here's a newsflash. The world is not perfect. New Zealand is not perfect. Our nation's leaders are not perfect. You and I are not perfect. Sorry if I've let you down. Government and its policies and promises are here to serve the people to the best of their ability in a world that has sadly and so much turned its back on God. Now, we should care about the welfare of people, should we not? In fact, the Bible says... Pray for the welfare of your city. But I need us to understand something afresh this morning. We live in a world that is not fair. There is inequality and pain that runs deep within our society. But regardless of who's elected, regardless of who will form government, we are not doomed. Can you agree with me? We're not doomed. Because we have our hope and our trust anchored in God. Now we are called to pray for those who are in government. We've got to pray for our leaders, regardless of your preference, regardless of the outcome, regardless of what you wanted. We have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to pray for our government, pray for our leaders that they would lead. Now, this is a big prayer. This is a faith-filled prayer, but pray that they would lead with righteousness 
and justice. It's a big prayer, but we need God's help. We need God's leading. We need God's guidance and his wisdom. We need leaders to make decisions that will lead us to God and not lead us away from God. Psalm 33 verse 5. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. We've got to pray. Proverbs 14 verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. We need to be praying for our government now more than ever. We don't stop there. We don't leave. Hear my heart. We don't leave the transformation of our nation up to the government. It's not their sole responsibility. We as God's people, as followers of Jesus, live lives that will see the advancement of God's kingdom. We need to use our lives more so now than possibly ever before to make a difference in our nation. Where government's decisions affect people's material worlds. And it does. And it can hurt people and it will disappoint people. But only a relationship with Jesus Christ can change their eternal destination. And that's important. You and I are the ones. We're the evidence of a hope-filled eternity. Wherever you go, you are a carrier of hope. And the world truly needs to see your light shine. There's something different about you. Now, politics matters greatly. Please hear my heart. It does. But don't get so lost in the politics of the day that you forget the call of God upon your own life to bring transformation wherever you go. We acknowledge and honor the role of our government, and we desperately need to pray for them, that they would be under God's rule and lead our nation towards him. We also remember, today's a good day to remember the role of the church that God established in the earth to lift up the name of Jesus. It's the only name by which people can be saved. It's the only name that people can secure their eternity by accepting him as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, God has given us the mandate. He's given the church the mandate to transform the world by spreading the good news of Jesus Christ wherever we go. He hasn't changed his mind. The mandate that God has given is on us. It's on our lives to be the ones who would take the good news of who Jesus Christ truly is into a world that desperately needs to hear about him. This is not a time for the church to worry or fear for the future, but to be strong in our faith and bold in our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, no matter what is going on in the world, we will always have hope because we have an eternal perspective. Our view is different because of who Jesus is. So we will always have hope. No matter what is going on, we will never lose hope. No matter who's leading our nation, guess what? We will never lose hope because we have an eternal perspective. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven 
heaven and earth. The truth of that psalm has never changed and never lost its power. We haven't stopped looking to where our true help comes from, have we? As followers of Jesus, we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. That's where our true help comes from. Our perspective is different because our hope is in nothing other than where our true help really comes from, the Lord. Listen, we can have all kinds of stuff go on in society, all kinds of struggles. You can have all kinds of struggles in your personal life. There will be things and obstacles that we have to overcome. The world will even get dark, and it seems to get darker. There will be all kinds of things that happen, but we will never lose hope if we keep our eyes fixed on where our help truly comes from. Let's not let our vision and our eyes come off of who Jesus truly is. He is in charge. And so our hope will always be because of him, because we're anchored to him. Not one policy, not another policy, but the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, we should always, always be full of hope. Now please hear my heart. I know you know my heart, and please don't understand. Good government really matters. Good policies and plans are essential. So pray, pray, pray for the government. Whether you're happy or not with a choice in the end, pray for the government. But at the same time, do not forget the mandate for mission that God has given the church and you individually. Shine your light in the darkness. In fact, if the darkness increases, guess what? Your light will shine all the more. Give hope wherever you go. See, the church will always stand It will always stand. It will never be overcome because the church is God's plan to release true hope into the world, eternal hope. The church will never be overrun. I I don't know if you've read your Bible, but, but my Bible says to me that the church will never, ever fail. It will always succeed. In fact, the gates of hell will never, ever prevail against the church. Our governments may have trouble in the earth, but guess what? The church will always advance. The kingdom of God will always go forward. This election has got people pretty passionate about the importance of our future, hasn't it? You notice that? It's a good thing. Passionate about what it means for our nation. My prayer is that the church, you and I, would be as passionate about people's eternal future. That we would use our voice to tell the world about who Jesus is. Never lose sight. Never lose your voice for what truly is going to make a difference in people's lives. Let's have a look at the, again at the mission or the mandate that God has given us briefly this morning. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 21. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God has not changed his mind or adjusted his mandate for us as the church. Jesus released his global mandate to the disciples with the challenge to go and make disciples of all nations. Now I know you know this. I know you've got it in your heart. I know you've heard Matthew 28 preached on many, many times. But it's not just part of the church. Matthew 28, mission, living on mission, not just part of the church. It's the point of the church. It's to spread out to every part 
of the planet and make disciples. It's the mission placed upon your life as a faithful follower of Jesus. It can seem heavy, I know. But I believe that God has established a mission and a mission plan that is totally possible for every single follower of Jesus to be a part of. So how do I bring change to lives? Well, let's do a wee refresher here this morning. Let's link Matthew 28 back with Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus replying to a question that's asked of him by a Jew. He says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. To fulfill the great commission, love is the key. Love is the key to fulfill the mandate that God has given us through this great commission. It's out of love for God that my love for others overflows. It's out of a love for God that the way I express love begins to touch other lives. Out of love for God and relationship with Him, this is important, my love for self diminishes and my love for others increases. We're always battling with self. You might not be, but, but I am. See, self always wants to be the most important. Have you ever noticed that? Don't, don't you have to regularly challenge your own mindset of how important you truly are? Doesn't self want to take the primary place in your life? But the more I build my relationship with the Lord, the more my heart becomes His heart. And His heart is one of love. Let's have a look at a well-known story. I know you've heard this many times, but I just want to touch on a few things out of this this morning because I think this is how God has made the mandate and the mission possible for us. Luke 10, 25 to 37. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. I just want to read it and then draw a couple of things out for us this morning. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, we know this story well. We've heard it preached on and probably spoken about many times. But the first question asked is, how do I inherit eternal life? Now, the reality is this is a fair and good question from a Jew. It's not even necessarily a hostile question as maybe we've thought it once was because he addresses Jesus as teacher. In Judaism, questions about achieving eternal life were common. 
It would have even been seen as a good question by others around him. In Judaism, the assumption is that it requires some kind of human effort to achieve eternal life. But interestingly, eternal life here means the life of the kingdom. So the question is, what do I do to inherit the life of the kingdom? And Jesus refers him back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this Jewish expert gets it right, and you would have expected him to get the answer right. He would have known what to say. But just because he has the theory right does not mean he has grasped its full meaning. You see, action can be mandated, but love truly moves someone to act. See, the next question that came was, well, then who is my neighbor wanting to justify his question? Here's my simple answer to that question. It's the next need you come across. That's who your neighbor is. Now, the priest was too busy and important. The Levite didn't want to know. However, in Jesus telling the story, these two characters did not act outside the expectation of those who were listening to Jesus. The priest and the Levite, both religious, but act contrary to love. Priests served in the temple. Their highest duty was to offer sacrifices. Levites assisted in the maintenance of the temple, services, and kept order. These guys had no legitimate excuses not to help. Now, let me just jump out of the parable for a minute. Let me just pause on those thoughts just for a moment. We never want to get so good at doing church that we forget to be the church. We never want to get to a stage where we are too important to help those who we see are in need. Attending a service does not make us the church. Helping and loving others does. The church is more than love with words, but love with action. Now, the Samaritan's response is in complete contrast to the point of this entire parable. It is completely different from the priest and the Levite. It's also in direct contrast to the response expected from a Samaritan to a Jew. They had great hostility towards each other. But the Samaritan took pity on him. The pity meaning a feeling of deep sympathy that came over him. Don't we need a sense of deep sympathy to be what will truly move us? Don't we need that same sense when we see a need that my heart is moved by sympathy for someone else? Is it beginning to sound like the life of the kingdom? The word pity here is translated sacrificial action. When one is moved by deep sympathy for someone's situation, it leads to sacrificial action. For the Jewish expert, The good person for him in this story would have been the victim. It would not have been the Samaritan because for him and his upbringing, there's no such thing as a good Samaritan. For this Jewish man, he could never have seen such a thing as a good Samaritan. But he was confronted with the question from Jesus, who was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He was forced to say, and he wouldn't say it was the Samaritan, but the one who helped him. He couldn't bring himself to even say Samaritan. He just had to say the one who helped in the story. He couldn't even get the word Samaritan out of his mouth. But he's acknowledging the Samaritan is actually the one who acted as a neighbor. It's the one whose love translated into action, who sacrificed at great personal cost to take care of this man. That's the neighbor. That's who Jesus is talking about. The Samaritan's man's mission was love driven by mercy for a victim. 
So we've been given a mandate as the church to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We are called to love God with everything we have. And that's what delivers action to our love for our neighbors. Our neighbor is whoever we come across next, whoever needs our help, remembering that we carry hope. You carry the hope of who Jesus Christ is every day, wherever you go. When we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, we see a picture of the need people in our lives also have when they don't have Jesus. See, without Jesus, people do not have an eternal hope. And you may be looking around at the people in your life and thinking, well, they're not beaten. They're not left for dead on the side of the road. If they were, if I saw that, I'd stop and help. But would you look again? I encourage you to take another look at the people around your life. Because there are a lot of people around your life right now who are putting on a smile. But their marriage is in trouble. It's on the brink of disaster. Their business is running into trouble and they are overwhelmed. They're facing sickness and it's brought great fear into their life. Their kids are making choices that are destroying them on the inside. They're tired of what they currently have in life. And they're searching for all kinds of medication to help them survive. They may have no real joy in their life and are filling it with counterfeit. They may be lonely and feel misunderstood. They might be lost in the darkness of hopelessness. My encouragement to you is, would you look at those around you again? Perhaps they're victim to hopelessness more than you maybe have thought they are. Perhaps they are in need right now of your second look. When I was preparing this, I felt this strongly in my heart. Carl, there are people in your life who need you to look again. They may not be physically beaten and lying on the side of the road, but they are not good. They are without eternal hope. They are lost in a dark place because they feel hopeless. They might have it all together seemingly on the outside, and they may even look like they are prospering. But Carl, they are not prospering if they don't know Jesus. And so we need to take a second look. And I felt the challenge, God, I need to look again at those that you've placed me, lives that you've placed me in. They don't know Jesus. They need what you have. They need the hope that you carry. Some principles of the story. Very simple. Take time to care. Be willing to pay the price. Be kind and be loving. I think what God has given us maybe is much simpler than we think. My encouragement to you this morning is the worship team come back and join me for this next part this morning. I'm not finished, but I just asked the worship team to come back. There are people in your life who just need you to take time to care, be willing to pay the price, be kind, and be loving. See, the world needs the church. I hope in your heart this morning there's an amen to that. The world needs the church. And it needs a strong church. It needs a vibrant church. The nation needs, our nation needs the church. And people around us need your kindness. And they need the truth of who Jesus really is. I've already said this, but God has not changed his mind or adjusted his mandate. We are the answer to the very real needs 
that people have. Our loving kindness, your loving kindness, will make a massive difference in somebody's life. I reflect on my own life, my journey to faith. It was people's loving kindness that made all the difference. In the depths of my despair and discouragement and darkness and the willingness to give up on life, it was the loving kindness of people. It wasn't even the words that I heard come out of their mouth. They didn't make sense till much later on. But it was the fact that what they did matched what they said. They loved me. They accepted me. See, your loving kindness is what is linked to the mandate of the mission. Without love, it's, it's not going to happen. But it's the fact that you love people. You're kind to people. You're willing to take your time. You're willing to care. You see, I see this auditorium filled multiple times over when I stand here. And it's not because of flashy programs or great songs or anything else. It's because of the people of God fulfilling the mandate of God to go into this world and make disciples. Love and be kind. That's what's going to make a great difference in the world. We are the answer. Would you stand with me this morning? You. Have a look around. Have a look at the person next to you. Go home, take a look in the mirror. You were God's plan. Some of you are thinking that's a scary thought right now. Trust me. There's nobody in this auditorium that is not a part of God's plan and has not been given a mandate from heaven. We are God's plan. You are the one who carries the hope that someone else needs. It's God's plan that you go to work. It's God's plan that you go out and study during the week because then you carry the message of hope into a world that desperately needs it. You carry the Lord's kindness and the righteousness, His righteousness to others. Listen to Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Prophet Jeremiah, the words are still true for us today. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. We know Him. We know His loving kindness. We know His righteousness. We know He is a God who is just. Even when the world is unfair, God will always be a God of justice. Our boast, our story, our hope is that our Lord Jesus Christ releases kindness. He releases justice and righteousness on the earth. And we are carriers of the truth of who Jesus really is. The world is more ready to hear the truth than maybe we realize. People are desperate. I feel it in my spirit. You must feel it even during this season in our nation and you look around the world. People are desperate for hope. The world is in a desperate place. The government cannot give eternal hope to people. Only Jesus Christ can offer that. People are ready to receive the truth of who Jesus is. If you've looked 
and thought they don't need my help, will you take a second look? Will you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and show you the needs that people around your life truly have? Would you open your heart again today? Would you say, God, I'm willing to receive a fresh sense of the mandate to go into all the world and make disciples? Would you again this morning say yes to Him? God, I'm willing. God, I'm ready. God, I want to show kindness and love. This is where revival is going to start. This is where we're going to see church buildings full of people. It's when the church again, we say, God, we're mandated from heaven. We're willing to go and make a difference in the world. Love people. Be kind. Make a difference. Because the world needs the church to have their best three years that they've ever had. This is a season for the church to rise up and stand firm in the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a time for the church to back down or be afraid of what's coming in our future because we know our future is eternity with God. So we carry great hope. Our heart's response this morning is, yes, God, we are willing. Life Church, we want to declare afresh today that, yes, Lord, we are willing. We want to serve out the mandate that He has given His church. If you're comfortable with this, would you lift your hands across this auditorium, just open your heart. This is just a moment and a way of focusing your attention on Him. God, you see our hearts. You see beyond just what we're physically doing this morning, but you see our heart response. And Lord, we say yes. Here we are. Use us. We will go. We will love and we will serve the people in our lives. We receive a boldness to be your witnesses wherever we go. Holy Spirit, would you just again refresh the fire for the Great Commission in our hearts? Would you reignite our love and passion for those who don't right now know you as their personal Lord and Savior? Come on, we're going to sing together, Commission My Soul. Let's just sing it out, make it a declaration this morning.